0: Well, let's all pray together, shall we? Father, when things come into our lives like brain tumors, the immediate response on our part, because we're human, is to panic. It just, and when it's a third one, especially, Lord, the fear and the immediate response the, the immediate tendency that we would have to think the very worst, because this is a life-threatening situation. This is life and death. And the pressure that this couple is experiencing, uh, the difficulty that is on their shoulders on a daily basis, as they go through this again, Lord, we have nowhere to go except to you and you tell us in your word that you are near to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. There's a couple, Lord, that are crushed and they're hurting and in their moments, in the middle of the night when they can't sleep, they're fighting off fear and they're fighting off panic. So Lord, we come to you. We ask, Lord, it it would be our request that you would do something miraculous and heal David And take away this tumor. You have the power to do that. Uh, You have the power, Lord, to restore withered hands. Uh, You have the power to give sight to a man who was blind from birth. You have the power to stop an issue of blood when a lady just grabbed onto your garment. So we thank you for your power and we thank you for your goodness. And we would bring this couple to you. And we would ask that you would touch this man physically and bring glory to yourself. Lord, we also wanna be careful, Lord, that we ask that your purposes and your will would be done. We know what we would like, we know what would be best in our mind, but we wanna submit ourselves to you. We ask, Lord, that your favor and that your presence and that a sense of your presence would be with David and Gina. We ask, Lord, that they would sense in their hearts they would sense the presence of Christ around them. We pray, Lord, that they would live off your promises. We pray, Father, for their children. And we pray, Lord, that this family would come together in a way uh, that they have never been together before. That's what pressure does and what hardship does. We commit them into your care. And, Lord, this is where Christianity is either true or it isn't. So we ask you, by the resurrection power of Christ, to comfort them as they walk through this deep and dark valley, they don't walk alone. You're walking with them. You're walking ahead of them. May they they experience that. We ask in a very, very real and tangible way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So guys... Write down Dave and Gina, and you'll be praying for them throughout these next weeks. And we'll be giving you a, a, uh, we'll be giving you a uh, progress report. And uh, we'll step up here tonight and do what we can do to help these folks as they're facing a very, very difficult uh, situation and pressure financially. All right? All right. will sober you won't it based on a third brain tumor and some of us thought we had difficult days some of us we, we, we think we've had a tough week and we have but boy that puts everything in perspective you know I want to pray for us again as we as we uh, get ready to look into the scriptures let's bow our heads father when, when we uh, encounter something like this it sobers us dramatically and, uh, Lord, we, we just go through life because life is so daily. We get up, we go to work, we've got our day timers and our Palm Pilots, and we check off the stuff that's on there, and we're making plans, and we're uh, thinking about the future, and we're, we're just going through life, and then we crawl into bed at night and uh, fall asleep. We get up next morning, we start all over again. And we deal with stuff and we deal with pressures and setbacks and disappointments and job changes and all these things. But when we hear of uh, a brother who's going through something like this, it really does sober us and it puts things in perspective. We want to live well and we want to live wisely. That's why we're studying Proverbs. None of us have any guarantee of how long we'll be on this earth. We're all fully aware that uh, even with with good hearts and uh, clear arteries, uh, we could be in an accident tonight on a freeway. And we could be in eternity. We just don't know, Lord. Moses said, as for the days of our lives, they contain 70 or, due to strength, 80 years. But their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone, and we fly away. So teach us to number our days, that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. We ask for wisdom, Lord. Uh, As we open the pages of Proverbs, uh, may your wisdom sink into our hearts. May we embrace it, may we welcome it. Uh, Lord, if there's an area in our hearts of resistance to you and to your will, we pray that you'll break that down. And that you would open our eyes so that we could see the importance of living your way 100% from the bottom of our hearts. We ask these things in the name that's above every other name. The name of Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in Proverbs. Proverbs to me is just sort of an amazing book. I, I every time I open Proverbs, I think of Solomon. And Solomon, as we have said in this study, Solomon is one of the great shipwrecks of history. If anybody had a great start, it was Solomon. If if anybody had everything in his corner as he started life, it was Solomon. This this guy. Uh, had a father who had made numerous mistakes with his other brothers, yet David attempted at some point in his life to really get focused on Solomon and prepare him for the task which was ahead of him. Uh, When when Solomon was anointed to take the throne from his father David, uh, shortly thereafter, he experienced the presence of God twice. God appeared to him. Uh, what a remarkable thing to have happen in your life. Uh, Solomon had a tremendous start. Solomon had tremendous advantage, yet he wound up squandering all that he had been given. Uh, That's precisely what we don't want to happen with our lives. Uh, You say, well, gosh, why should I read something that a guy like that wrote? I mean, he writes all this stuff and then he screws up. Well, the truth is still the truth. God used him to write scripture. But unfortunately, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Solomon had these Proverbs in his head because God gave him great wisdom. But Solomon never took those Proverbs and put them into his heart. Uh, Christianity is not just a, a religion of the head. It's, it's a religion of the heart. Uh, the wisdom that we find in Proverbs is, is skill. It's skill for living. Chuck's program is called Insight for Living. Uh, that's a great title. You see, that's what wisdom does. Wisdom gives you insight for how to live. Solomon had tremendous insight. Solomon had tremendous wisdom. But uh, he just didn't apply it. I think Chuck's coming up on, on uh, 90 years old, I hear. Isn't that right? He's going to be 70 this month in October. Uh, it, it's always great to see someone who teaches the truth and who lives out the truth. See, that, that's, that's the greatest sermon of all. That's the greatest legacy of all. Solomon didn't do that. In actuality, Solomon himself became a proverb. And the proverb is, don't live like Solomon. Have it in your head, but make sure it gets into your heart. nothing more important than wisdom. This guy's out touring the countryside and uh, he's enjoying the beauty and uh, wouldn't you know it, his car breaks down right along the side of the road. The guy, he doesn't know anybody, he's in trouble. Farmer drives by, got this big truck full of animals. And he sees the guy's obviously stranded, he pulls over, he says, hey, can I give you a lift in the town? He said, that'd be great. He jumps in the cab of this old truck, And as they're driving into town, the farmer starts telling him, yeah, I've got all my animals. I'm selling all my animals. I'm shutting down my family farm. You know the economy today. You just can't run a family farm. I'm going to take them into town and sell them. He's all aggravated about the economy what's happened to him. And he's explaining it to this guy in the seat next to him. Takes his eyes off the road, and he gets distracted. He looks up, and here's a car he almost hits. He, He hits the wheel. He turns it. He flips the truck over a couple times. It lands upright. Throws the tourist out into a ditch. Uh, busts the guy's ribs, breaks both arms, both legs. This guy's just in agony in the side of this ditch. Well, the, the farmer comes out of the truck, and he's kind of dazed, but he's checking everything out, and he, he, he looks over at his sheep in his pen. And these sheep are just, they, I mean, their legs are broken. There's blood all over their, co- he gets mad. He says, you no good worthless sheep. How am I going to sell you in that condition? I can't believe you cost me 100 He gets his shotgun, kills those suckers right there. Kills all the sheep. Then he, then he sees the goats. He was going to sell those goats. I mean, sheep are all busted up there. They got blood. He just gets so upset. I was going to make hundreds of dollars. Boom, kills the goats. Pigs, same thing. Pigs are busted up. He gets up. Boom, kills the pigs. Comes around the truck. Sees the ditch. Sees the tourists in the bottom of the ditch. Looks down. He says, hey, how you doing? Never been better. <laughs> Never been better. Now there's wisdom. See, that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is skill in the circumstances of life as they come up. We're in Proverbs 2 tonight. In Proverbs 2, once again, wisdom is held out as something that is incredibly important and incredibly valuable. The question is, how do you get it? I'm sure you've heard the old joke about the ham and egg breakfast. To pull off a ham and egg breakfast, the chicken is involved, but the pig is totally committed. Now, you've heard that before. Now, see, that's what it is when you get down to wisdom. How in the world do you get wisdom? Um, One of the byproducts of wisdom is that those who live with wisdom live securely. There is a great sense of security when you live with wisdom, in fact, that's how chapter one sort of finished. Look at verse thirty-three of Proverbs one: "But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil." If if you leave, if you live with wisdom, if and wisdom tells us different things. Wisdom tells us uh, to live in such a way that we tell the truth. Well, if you tell the truth, you know what? You're going to sleep well at night. Uh, Mark Twain, uh, I believe it was, who said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. I I thought it was interesting today, uh, if you saw the clip, I I heard it, uh, uh, John Kerry. You know, his famous statement about he, before he voted for the eighty-seven million he didn't vote for I mean you know you know what I'm talking about and then he I guess he was interviewed and someone asked him about that and he said well gosh it was late at night and I was just real real tired and then somebody went back and checked and well he didn't say that late at night he said it at a speech at a luncheon and once again uh, we live in a day and age where uh things are tape recorded and things are checked and uh you see if if you tell the truth you don't have to remember anything uh... that's wisdom so you can dwell securely uh... if uh... if you're straight with your business dealings you don't have to remember anything you, you don't have to worry you don't have to be in dread uh... you're you're not waiting for a phone call you're not wondering who's gonna walk in and put a warrant down on your desk see there's great security in living wisely in living according to the scriptures. Uh, it, it, it ratchets down the stress level considerably. Um, I want you to note something in chapter 2 verse 1. I want you to note the word if and then down in verse 5 I want you to note the word then. If and then. What we're going to read in these opening verses of Proverbs um, are going to tell us How we get wisdom. Uh, Actually, what's happening here is that Solomon, once again, is addressing a son. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, uh, incline your ear to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern The fear of the Lord. In other words, you've got a cause and effect going on here. Uh, Wisdom is a great thing. Wisdom is a wonderful thing. But in order to get wisdom, you have to be committed to wisdom. You can't be involved as the chicken is to ham and eggs. You've got to be committed as the pig would be. Uh, Wisdom is just not something that uh, you say, oh yeah, I'll take a little wisdom. That's not how it works. To get wisdom, you have to be committed. Uh, If you do certain things, then... Wisdom will accrue into your life Now what we've got here. We've got a series of verbs Verbs denote action and when we talk about uh, when we talk about getting wisdom and Accumulating wisdom in our lives there are some uh, action steps There are some things that we must do in our lives in order for that to take place now It picks up right there in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, my son, if you will receive my words. If you'll receive them. See, what you've got here, in order to get wisdom, there has to be a teachability. There has to be an openness. Uh, Boy, a long time ago now, probably 10 or 12 years ago, I was speaking at a conference for Campus Crusade, and just before I was getting up, I'd done three or four sessions for them, just before I was getting up to do the last session, there were four or five uh, girls from the University of Nebraska, and they came up and they said, can we ask you a question real quick? We know you have to get up and speak, and I said, sure. They said, we all hope to marry one day and have children. If you could tell us one thing to look for in a husband, what would you say we should look for? and I said money (laughs) Now you know that's not what I said I was kinda on the spot I said you know I'd look for a guy who's teachable if you find a guy who's teachable you'll be just fine but see if you find a guy who's not teachable you're gonna have a real tough road in marriage because there's a guy that can't grow all that guy can do is grow old He can never grow up. Uh, The goal of the Christian life is to is to mature in Christ. And see, guys, if we're not teachable, if we don't have that openness, uh, I kind of have a theory in my life. When I hear the same thing in a short amount of time from two or three different people. I figure the Lord's trying to get something through to me. You ever had that happen to you? In a few days, you know, maybe your friend or your wife, somebody else, you'll hear Chuck say something from the pulpit or something. All boom, boom, boom. What's happening? Oh, the Lord's trying to get something across. See, the question is, am I will I be teachable? Am I going to receive? Uh, you know, football's gotten so high tech. I remember watching watching the Cotton Bowl when I was five years old. I I, I was, it was 1954. I I remember like it was yesterday. And an old grainy black and white set, you know. And uh, and it was great because it just wasn't as, you didn't have the graphics, you know. You just had kind of this snowy thing going on. Not because it was snowing. It was just what, I mean, it could be 100 degrees, but it was snowy. That's just how it was back then. But you know, it was, I don't know, it was neat back then because, They'd always do something. They don't do much anymore. They, they'd always uh, have the coin toss. You remember that? <gasps> they'd get the captains out there, and, and you get the official, and you get the captains, and, and, and every one of those officials, you know, those guys were from Mississippi. You could hardly understand them. I think that's where every football official comes from is Mississippi. They got this real deep southern accent. He goes, Kem Smith, this is Kevin Joe. Kevin Joe, this is Kevin Smith. And he goes, Joe, you call the here. And they flip and the guy goes, Heads. You call here, it is heads. It is heads. Captain Joe, you're going to receive or you're going to kick? I'm going to receive. All right. And which goal are you going to defend? I'm going to defend this goal. So he sets them off. He says, Captain Joe, you will receive, you will receive. <laughs> you remember that? Captain Smith, Captain, you will kick, you will kick. You guys remember that? They don't do that anymore. <laughs> I thought that was neat. <laughs> well, see, when it comes to wisdom, When it comes to wisdom, the question is, will you receive? Will you receive? See, when we think we know everything we need to know, when we think uh, we know more than our wives, when we think we know more than a friend who's looking out for us and who's on our team, and who's given us a good word? You know, it was popped into my head, I don't remember the reference in Proverbs, but it, it's there. Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Now, when a good word is given, the question is, will you receive? Will you receive? See, if you're teachable, you receive it. You can't grow without being receptive. You can't grow without being teachable. See, if, if you receive my words. If if you won't receive words of wisdom, you can't get wisdom, you can't grow. That's an action. Now, he's got another one. Right in the next verse. Not only do we receive truth, but he says in, uh, in the next line, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you treasure anything in your life you treasure anything that means a lot to you I've been uh, I just finished the biography of William Randolph Hearst boy what a guy he was if you're ever on the west coast and you ever get some time to drive up highway one from Santa Barbara up to Carmel and Monterey do it The scenery is... Some of you guys have been on that stretch. The scenery is absolutely spectacular. Uh, Just 40 miles north of San Luis Obispo is uh, San Simeon, or Hearst Castle. Uh, At one point, Hearst was uh, right next to J. Paul Getty, probably the second wealthiest man on the face of the earth. He had a media empire that he began building in about 19... 12 or so, Um, he died in 1954. But he owned uh, newspapers, he owned uh, uh, movie studios, he owned wire services, he owned radio stations. Uh, Hearst basically, well most people believe that he was responsible for starting two wars because of his influence across the world. He was fabulously wealthy. Uh, His mother was a committed Christian but he rejected the wisdom that she attempted to pass on to him. Uh, Hearst Castle is worth visiting because one of the pursuits of William Randolph Hearst's life was to accumulate treasure. As I was reading his biography, just about every time I turned the page, he would remind me of Solomon. You remember how Solomon would try to accumulate? Flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Over there to your right, and you'll come across Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1 I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself, and behold, it too was futility. But then he goes on and describes how he tested himself with pleasure. Uh, Solomon uh, in chapter 2, verse 4 he says, I enlarged my works, I built houses for myself. You know Solomon built the temple for the Lord It took seven years, then he built his own house that took 13 years. Then he went and married the queen of, uh, a queen a woman from uh, Egypt and he built her a house and then she was the first of many wives eventually 700. He always had these building projects going on. Hearst was the same way. He was building San Simeon at the same time he was building his mistress a bungalow in uh, Santa Monica. This bungalow was about 15,000 square feet. Uh, He was building his wife uh, took three stories of a high-rise in New York City and turned that into an amazing penthouse for his wife because he had to keep the two separate. At the same time he bought a castle in Wales and then at the same time he bought a 17,000 acre ranch just above Sacramento in the Sierra Mountains and he was doing what Solomon did I built houses for myself I planted vineyards for myself I made gardens and parks for myself I planted them all kinds of fruit trees this is exactly what Hearst did I bought male and female slaves Solomon says I had homeborn slaves because he needed people to do the building projects I possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem Solomon couldn't um, buy the CD so he bought the group and he brought them to Jerusalem. Um, I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I provided, um, uh," down in verse 9, I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Verse 10, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. That's quite a statement. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. That was William Randolph Hearst. William uh, Randolph Hearst was not an alcoholic. He was a spindaholic. The, the the millions of dollars that he brought in, he managed to spend more virtually every year he was on the face of the earth. He was accumulating. If you ever go to San Simeon, you will see the absolute treasures. He would buy entire castles in Europe and have them uh, taken apart piece by piece, block by block, and then shipped. He had full-time people in Europe and in England uh, searching for paintings and for ceramics and for porcelain and for sculpture and for armory and all of this. He had a uh, he had a warehouse five stories high in Brooklyn that was full of treasures. He had another one in Los Angeles. At one point he was looking for a particular painting because he added a wing on the San Simeon. You ever get a chance you gotta see this place. He has a Roman pool there that is staggering. Staggering. But it was not unlike uh, he, he would build a great hall and have it redone four times in ten years. Because it had to be just perfect. He, he added a wing. There was a particular painting he was after. Actually, it was a tapestry. Woven in France. He had his people looking for this thing. They couldn't find it. They're scouring Europe five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. They couldn't find this tapestry. Then they found it one day. He got a call. You know where they found it? In his warehouse in Los Angeles. That's what he treasured. When I put, when I finish the book and I close it, it my mind: For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What William Randolph Hearst treasured was stuff, and the problem with that is, is that it gets rusty, and moths eat it, and like the scripture says. See, all he did was lay up treasure on earth instead of laying up treasure in heaven. See, everybody treasures something. To get wisdom back in Proverbs 2, to get wisdom, wisdom has to be, it has to be treasured. It has to be valued. It has to be uh, It's the word I want. It it has to be held in such high regard. He says, if you receive my words and treasure my what? My what? My commandments. And treasure my commandments within you. Is it not interesting that we still talk about the Ten Commandments today? But we talk about it in such a way because there was a time where the commandments were valued. When children were taught to read in this country, they would read a primer, and in that primer would be the commandments. But see, commandments are not treasured anymore. Uh, One of the reasons we treasure the commandments is that the the commandments, they give us wisdom. Jesus said, if you'll love me, you'll keep my commandments. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Those commandments are designed to enable us to live and to live well when you stop and think about those commandments. Those commandments, those commandments are guardrails on, uh, if you will, on a high mountain road that keep us from going off the side and, and having disaster come into our lives. Those commandments say things like, you shall not commit adultery. But isn't it interesting that virtually every television program that's on right now celebrates that? It's just amazing. But you see, that's, that's the way of destruction. Uh, you shall not steal. Uh, isn't it amazing how we are tempted on almost a constant basis, on a daily basis? We're, 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 we're tempted to steal in different ways. We're tempted to steal with time. We're tempted to steal with money. We're tempted to steal with expense accounts. Uh, uh, but you shall not steal. See, that's a commandment that's to, be, that's to be treasured. Boy, if someone steals from us, we sure get upset, don't we? But see, it cuts both ways. You shall not covet. Gosh, we live in Dallas. you got to covet. It's just part of the culture. It's, it's part of the indoor sport we have in Dallas. And, and, and man, there's so much stuff. And so many people have so many more things than you have or I have, and it's so easy to get our eyes on that. But, well, I'll tell you, that stuff will kill you. That stuff will eat you up. It's not the place of happiness. It's not the place of reality. It's not the place of fulfillment. The place of fulfillment and happiness is, uh, is, is a right relationship uh, with, with your spouse, or, where, you can, where you can sit there and drink a cup of coffee, and just and just talk to each other and thoroughly enjoy the fact that you've got a mate that's committed to you and you're committed to her. And neither one of you are going anywhere. That's, that's great. Doesn't get any better than that. You see? And all it does, all adultery does is just screw that up. You see? You shall have no other gods before you. And we got gods all over the place. A lot of people drive their gods. A lot of people live in their gods. A lot of people check the the paper every day, the financial section to see how their gods are doing. (laughs) Right? Nothing wrong with having a portfolio. Nothing wrong with having a nice car. Nothing wrong with having a nice... Just don't let it be a God. You shall have no other gods before me. Jesus Christ. Did anybody hear that today? Hear somebody take the name, the name of the Lord in vain? Happens all the time. There are two ways to say Jesus Christ. To say it with blasphemy and to say it with absolute reverence. It all, and and the same words is just an issue of the heart, isn't it? You see? See, those commandments, guys, are designed to protect us. Those commandments are there to uh, improve our lives and to make our lives rich and full, and everything that we want them to be. So we receive his words. Now this is if you want wisdom. This is if you want wisdom. Because see, there are a lot of things pulling at us and, and, and the things that we treasure. See, if we're not treasuring the right things, we're going to miss wisdom. We might have stuff, but we're not going to have wisdom. When you're in trouble, who is it that you go and talk to? People that have a lot of stuff, or people that have a lot of <coughs> wisdom—that's well, a no-brainer, hands down. You see, they've chosen the right—they've chosen the right thing in life. And when we're in trouble and we need counsel, we need guidance. That's who we go talk to. There's some more verbs here. You see, he's got—he's uh, got receive. He's got treasure. Look at incline. Incline your ear. Uh, make your ear attentive to understanding, incline your heart to understanding. Incline your heart. Incline. There's an inclination. Uh, Isaiah said, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. We are all inclined to do it our way. We are all inclined to be our own men. We are all inclined. I got to tell you something. Every time I hear Sinatra sing, my way. I, I just shake my head. Boy, if that guy could do anything to take that back. Right now, I bet you he would. Don't you think? New York, New York. If, I can, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Top of the heap. That's pride. That's pride. But that's what you're all after, you know. I I, was, I had a guy tell me, "You ever watched The Apprentice?" I said, "No." He said, "Donald Trump." I said, "That's why I don't watch it." <laughs> this guy thought Trump was great. Why would you think Trump was great? That guy is to be pitied. He, he's to be absolutely pitied. Uh, the hubris, the arrogance, the ego. The hair? <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I just repeated what you said, man. But see, to get wisdom, to get wisdom, there has to be an inclination that we incline our heart to understanding. Lord, I want to understand. Lord, would you show me what you're saying here? Lord, Lord what, do, what do you mean by this? Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Lord, would you show me the way that you want me to go? Lord, I'm not clear here. Would you? See, you incline your heart. You incline your heart to understanding. Look at the next one. For if you cry for discernment, or if you if you call out for discernment, what, what's discernment? Th- discernment is the ability to see through things. Th- discernment is the ability to see what no one else sees. Uh, discernment is the ability to see what isn't on the surface? I don't know if your wife's like this. It's amazing to me sometimes how Mary can discern things. This is why God gives us wives. Sometimes wives have radar and they pick up things. I, I, I remember years ago we met some people the first time, had dinner with them. I thought hey, this guy was this guy's pretty sharp. I remember on the way home, Mary just she said, "You know, Steve, I was." She had some concerns. I didn't I didn't see it at all. But she discerned it. And you know what? Time went by and she was proven right. Th- discernment. The men of Issachar, uh, was at 1 Chronicles 12, 32. The men of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should do. That's discernment. Uh, lift your voice for understanding. You see the action here? You, you receive the words, you treasure them, you incline your heart to understanding, you cry for discernment. You lift your voice for understanding. Catch this, verse four. What are we talking about here? Wisdom. If you seek her as silver. I love these heat-seeking missiles. Don't you? I love to see those suckers take off, off a ship. They just, those suckers kind of go, they kind of go up in there. And there's something about them, they're heat-seeking. When, when, when they lock in, it's curtains. Because they're, 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 they're going to seek The heat. See, see, that's the question. How badly do I want wisdom? you got to seek it, like silver. Interestingly enough, William Randolph Hearst, he loved to say that he was a self-made man, but his father was a multi-multi-multi-millionaire, and he made his money in silver. When everybody in the gold rush of 1849 was rushing for gold, you know what his father was after? Silver. And, and in the stuff they threw away in the attempt to get the gold, his father went in there, looked at it. He'd been a miner in Missouri, sent it off to San Francisco for testing. They sent it back, said, that is the highest grade of silver we've ever seen. He started buying mules. He started buying mules. Every mule he'd get his hand on. And he started picking up that sludge and sent it. Guy was a multi, multi, multi multi-multi-millionaire. Now Solomon had so much gold that in his day, silver wasn't worth anything. Isn't that interesting? If you seek her, seek what? Wisdom. As silver. And search for her. You ever lost your keys? You ever lose your glasses? And they're on the top of your head the whole time? Is that not embarrassing? Some of you young guys, you don't know what we're talking about. You just wait. You young guys can see. You know, you can still read without glasses. You think you're hot stuff. Well, you just wait. One day you're going to turn 41 or 42, and all of a sudden you're going to be, you know, you're in trouble. it would be great. Then you're acting like your grandpa. You know, I love it when guys do that. You can't see anything like You go, I don't have my glasses. Where are my glasses? You spend, you know if you're over 50, you spend three quarters of your life looking for your glasses. (laughs) You're just searching for your glasses. Isn't that funny how life changes? Now see, that's how we go after wisdom. We're just searching. Where'd that wisdom go? God, where is that? Where is that? You see, you gotta have it. What did Moses say? As for the days of our lives, they contain 70, or due to strength, 80 years. That's verse 10. Then he goes in Psalm 90. And then in verse 12, he says, so teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. Wherever we are in life, we need wisdom. The youngest guy in this room needs wisdom. The oldest guy in this room needs wisdom. And everybody in between, we need wisdom. So, so, so the, you see how this works? In verse 1, you've got if. This is Conditional. If, if you what? If you go after wisdom, you receive it, you seek it, all this stuff. If, 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 then look at verse 5. Then, see in other words, if you're committed to going after wisdom, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. What what you've got basically in verses 1 to 4 is you've got the commitment to wisdom. And and then in verses 5 through 16, You've got the security that comes from the wisdom. I think in 5 to 16. Let me just read that quickly. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. See, when you go after it like a heat-seeking missile, then you'll discern the fear of the Lord and you'll discover the knowledge of God. Catch this. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He'll give it to you. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield. There's security. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course, For wisdom will enter your heart. Why? Because you sought it. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So all these people you're surrounded by What does Psalm 1 say? A blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Well, the wicked are all around us. They're at work. They're in your neighbor. All these people that would counsel you to go the wrong way, they're all around you. Might be your brother-in-law. They're all around. And see, one of the things immediately we talk about getting into wickedness and getting wrong living is getting involved with someone you're not married with. That's verse 16. To deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words that leaves a companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God for her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead none who go to her return again nor do they reach the paths of life so you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous, treacherous will be uprooted from it so we got two ways to live we can live as wise men or we can live as foolish men that pursue evil and wickedness. If I want wisdom and seek it, if, if I do that, then, if I'm committed to it, then God will give it to me. And all those things, all those benefits of wisdom will come into my life. Now I want to show you how this works. I want to show you how this works in the life of a guy that most of you know about. Turn with me to Genesis 39. I'm talking about Joseph. What we just read in Proverbs 2 is going to be lived out in Genesis 39 in the life of Joseph. We pick it up in 39.1 and what had happened was his brothers had sold him into slavery. They hated his guts. They sold him. They told his dad he was killed by an animal. They took his coat of many colors. They dipped it in blood and told his father he'd been killed. Verse 39, so this guy's whole life is in ruins. He really, 17-year-old he, he, kid, he hadn't done anything wrong. He, he had been, because he was a young man, he had probably said some things that were not wise to say, but that's what young men do. There wasn't evil in his heart, there was just immaturity. 39, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, when you're 17 years old and you're sold into slavery, you'll be lucky to be alive when you're 25. But look what happened. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Slaves didn't become successful men. That was very rare. And he was in the house of his master, an Egyptian. Now, his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Let me ask you something. Do you think Joseph was committed to the Lord and committed to wisdom? Do you think he was teachable? You bet he was. Do you think he inclined his heart to the Lord? Do you think he sought wisdom like a heat-seeking You know he did. You know he That's why God was with him. That's why God blessed him. And you see, when you do that and when I do it, God blesses us. What does 2 Chronicles say? The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro about the earth. Looking for those whose hearts are halfway his? No, are fully his that he may strongly support them. I'm telling you, Joseph was living this out in his life. Proverbs 2. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he owned, he put in his charge. Joseph could sign checks. Joseph ran QuickBooks for this guy. I mean, the whole thing he handed over to Joseph, didn't he? Verse 5, it came about that from that time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Uh, you, you know what happens, guys? As we go through life, God tests us. He'll test our integrity, he'll test our attitude, he'll test our obedience. He'll test our our, our attitude when we're in circumstances that are adversarial, and we really didn't do anything to deserve those circumstances. He puts us in there by design, because he's gonna test us. What I see in 39, one through six, is that Joseph was tested in his work and because he was seeking the Lord, he was proven in his work and he was blessed in his work because he sought the Lord and he sought wisdom. Now I want to show you the next section. He was tested in his purity. In his purity. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, Predator, I like to call her. Looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There was no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God so Joseph stood up to her. good for him he passed the test you know what the problem was the test didn't go away look at the next verse and she spoke to Joseph day after day every day he had this good looking Egyptian chick tanned fit 24 hour fitness she was spawed she was jacuzzied she was manicured Botox the whole thing she was just one of those rich chicks and she wanted this guy day after day he was tested in his... see what, what, what was being tested here If Joseph was going to fear the Lord he sure did in verse 9. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? But every day he was tested. Uh, she spoke to Joseph day after day. He did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. I, I think that's interesting. To lie beside her or be with her. Because if he was with her, you know what would happen? He'd wind up what does uh, Corinthians say? Bad company corrupts good morals. See, a, a, a gal that's got you in her sights, a gal who's who wants to sleep with you, you can't be with her. You can't be friends with her. You can't lead her to Christ. That's not your job. Well, she doesn't know. She really needs the Lord. You bet she needs the Lord. And guess what? You're not the guy to lead her to the Lord. You know what your job is in that situation? There's some guy at your office. What's your job? Your job is to flee immorality. You don't try to get to know her. You don't find out all the things that happened to her in life. You don't listen to her about how her former husband beat her up. you, you get to jump out of there. You have no, you're not with her. Because if you're with her, you're going to wind up in the sack with her. You see, he didn't lie with her or be with her. He kept his distance. You know what wisdom, part of wisdom is? Wisdom means you keep your distance from women you're not married to. Especially those that you'd be attracted to if you were a single man. And that happens to all of us. You love your wife, your community your wife. Some wherever you work, there's some gal at work. Great personality, a lot of fun. I mean, you know, just great gal. But if you were single, she's someone you'd probably ask out. Well, then you know what you ought to do? Then just keep a double distance from her. Don't get too close. Why? Because it's smart not to get too close, right? It's stupid to get close to somebody like that. Why? Because they're attractive. If they're attractive, don't get close to them. Because you're already married. You already got a wife. You don't need to get to know her. You don't need to spend time with her. You don't need to eat lunch with her. If you gotta work with her, you work with her. Everything's purely business, but nothing beyond that. You you put a guard, you put a wall up, you protect yourself. And it's clear to her that there's a wall. You're a gentleman, you're polite you're above board absolutely above board in your speech, in your hands in your com- everything and you're slightly aloof slightly aloof especially if you could be attracted to it, then you need to be aloof because see you've got to protect yourself all the way through Proverbs it talks about guard your heart guard your heart guard. well then guard it Guard it. This is just wisdom, is it not? Now, if there's some ugly woman you're working with, excuse me, but it's just us guys here. You're not worried about that, are you? Huh? That's not an issue for you. No, it's not an issue at all, because you're not attracted to her. But see, when they're good looking, and, and you sure as heck, if you were a single guy, you'd ask her out. Man, you got, you got to get that guard up. you got to get that gate up, man. you got to get that fence up. Does this make sense? Shoot, you know it makes sense. It's just wisdom. It's just smart. You're just guarding your heart and you're guarding your life. That's what Joseph had to do with this chick. And she didn't like it. Verse 11. You guys still there? Look at this. Now, it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work. He didn't go in there to talk with her. He didn't end in going there to have Starbucks with her. He didn't bring her a latte. He went in to do his work. And none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment saying, Lie with me, fairly aggressive woman here. <coughs> and he left his garment in her hand and fled. Is that not interesting? He fled immorality. He literally ran away from it. And he went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in to lie with me, and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to me to make sport of me, to rape me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Joseph was tested in his purity. Did he pass the test? Yes. Because he feared the Lord and he sought wisdom. He sought wisdom. So now he's thrown in jail. He's thrown in a dungeon. Now, this is the second time he's been thrown in a dungeon for doing what's right. This is second, first, he's thrown in a... Sl- told slavery for doing what was right, for doing nothing. Now he's going to be thrown into a dungeon because he did what was right. Now, do you think it would be possible this guy would have a little bit of bitterness in his heart? A little anger towards God. Lord, I, I did what you wanted. I've tried to be faithful. I had this success. I couldn't believe how things were going. I didn't sleep with this chick. And what happens? I'm in a dungeon. I think he fought off bitterness. I'm going to show you why. See, there's a third test here because now he's tested in jail. Some of you guys are in a jail of circumstances. And you can't get out. You'd like out, but you're you're in, someone threw the lock and key. I mean, you're in, and there's no way you can get out right now. And, And you're sort of resentful, and you're sort of angry about this. It happens to us. Now, when his master heard the words of his wife, 19, when she spoke to him, saying, this is what your slave did to me, his anger burned, So Joseph's master took him, put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in jail. Catch this. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Why? Because he feared the Lord and he sought wisdom. Is it not interesting, if we were to continue the story, the next thing that's going to happen to Joseph, see, he was running Potiphar's household under adverse circumstances. Then he gets thrown in jail. Next thing you know, he's running the jail. And he's going to be in jail two years. Now, after that, what's the next thing that he's going to run? He's going to run the whole world. Because he's going to oversee the economy of Egypt during the seven years of prosperity so that they can make it through the seven years of famine. The whole time, God was testing him. First in in the house, of Potiphar. Then in the jail, then God promotes him. He feared the Lord. He sought wisdom. He fled immorality. That's pretty chumpin' clear, isn't it? That's hard to miss. So you know what I get from that? As I read this, I need to seek the Lord. I need to seek wisdom. I need to receive his words. I need to have a teachable heart. I need to stay away from women I'm not married to. On HBO. On the internet. At work. Whatever, you you know what I'm talking about. You stay away. Sex in the city. How about sluts in the city? (laughs) That's what those women are. They're sluts. You don't want to be around a slut stay away from that stuff, and what happens? See, God's testing you. He's testing you. You're seeking him. You pass the test. He blesses you. He blesses you. He blesses. And then not only does he bless you, but he'll bless David, or or, uh, Joseph winds up with a wife, he winds up with kids. God's blessing his family. He reunites his whole family. See, the blessing of God is all over this guy because he sought wisdom. That's how I want to live. That's how you want to live, or you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night. So let's pray. Lord, help us to learn from this guy. This guy did it right. This guy took some shots. This guy had some disappointment. Boy, this guy took some blows. And, and Lord, he had never read this stuff. I mean, he's just showing up every day and going through it. He had to struggle with some disappointment, some heartache. There were days I'm sure he was fighting off being resentful and and he had to fight it off towards you. But Lord, this guy had a teachable heart. And as he went through the test, he kept his heart open and he sought you and he sought wisdom. Lord, we want to live well. We want to be godly men. We thank you for the example of Joseph and how he lived out the principles of Proverbs 2. It's so sad, it's so tragic that Solomon did not live out what he wrote by your spirit. Solomon's a proverb on the wrong way to live. Joseph is a proverb on the right way to live. We choose Joseph. We choose you. And we're so glad that you chose us. And that you offer wisdom to every guy in this room.